Hello, and welcome to The Writing Forge, where we discuss tips and tricks for honing your writing. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And we're your hosts. Let's Let's get get into it. it. Welcome, everybody. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about storytelling and the different medias in which we tell stories. And joining us today is David Sharp. Welcome, David. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, So before we get into our topic of storytelling, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and just give us a snapshot of your writing journey? Um, Yeah. So my name is David Sharp, and I am a librarian in the High Plains Library District um, in kind of Weld County area. I have done a fair amount of writing. Uh, I I got my start in writing doing um, theater. I did a lot of... um, I did a lot of theater kind of in high school and college age and then um, eventually wrote my own plays and produced them with a cast of fantastic actors that I had on hand Um, and then tried some other things, short stories, uh, various different, (laughs) a few few attempts at poetry, which, uh, you know, are not exciting at all. Um, And then I kind of moved into novel writing later in life, you know, which which kind of is where I landed. Very excited. I have a novel called Lost on a Page that has one sequel already, and then the third third book of that series is set to launch in September of this year. So that's lots of fun. It's about a detective who uh, learns he's a fictional character and sets off for the world where the books are written to murder his author. So uh, <laughs> hilarity ensues, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Because you have written for so many different mediums and are a librarian and so have had much exposure to storytelling of many different kinds. Our first question today is what aspects of storytelling are crucial no matter what medium you're using? Yeah. Um, and I neglected to mention, you know, that my family um, was very involved in storytelling. Um, My mother went to a lot of uh, professional storytelling festivals, so I had a lot of exposure to that as a kid as well. Um, So just like oral storytelling? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, awesome. Um, Yeah, so that's really exciting. But that being so much of the topic that we're here to talk about, um, it's a bad thing to leave out of the bio. But but yeah, so storytelling, I feel like I feel like there's there are definitely a lot of similarities. You know, you have all of the the elements, no matter what the media is. You've got your setting, your character, your plot. You've got to have some kind of conflict. You've got to have some kind of theme. Um, you want to have a narrative arc of some kind, even if the short, you know, even if if the story is just a no more than a page long. You're going to have all of these things, uh, even if they're just kind of in an abbreviated fashion. And that doesn't matter if you're doing it, you know, on a stage, if you're writing something down. In a book, you know, if you're just telling somebody that you see on the sidewalk one day, you know, it's all it's all story. Um, it's all going to contain those elements. I think that probably that key core component is just that connection with another person, right? You're trying to um, convey a, a series of events that is supposed to have meaning to the person that you're telling, um, no matter what the media is. And so I think that connection really is the focus and uh, the media is just a, a a method, a vehicle to get you there. So I, I like that you're saying connection. The thing that I was thinking that ties all storytelling together is emotion. I think that's kind of the same idea of like, why, why do you care about what's happening? What, what is this making me feel? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think that we're all, we're all in, inundated with stories every day, more than we even think about, you know, I and mean, like I say, you just see someone and um, talk about what happened today. Uh, you know, or what happened last week, you know, you catch up with friends and you immediately jump into telling stories about what's, you know, 
what's going on, things that are relevant to them, things that are relevant to you, hopefully relevant to them. Um, <laughs> if for no other reason than they care about you. <laughs> right. And it's all in that. It's all it's because we connect through stories. And I think, yeah, it's that emotion, um, that emotional piece that we're 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 syncing up, you know, we're we're getting on a common wavelength about uh, about something. And it just seems like whatever that something is, it often has to do with a story of some kind. I have a great example of a bad example of that. I'm um, <laughs> so excited to hear this. Well, we were at a family reunion, and at family reunions, typically there are stories. Oh, remember when? Oh, this one time your grandma, or, you know. And I did not realize how much of a natural storyteller my father was, and therefore passed that a little bit down to us until we realized that we had been monopolizing a lot of the conversation with a lot of our stories. And we were like, oh, you know, how about you? Like, tell us, you know, tell us a great memory and stuff like that. And one of my cousins was like, well, I lit the farm on fire. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, that's, 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 that's the answer to that. Like, how? Don't know. Wait, okay. So you just wake up in the middle of the night one night and the farm is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> just going to hit me with that tagline and then give me nothing. Exactly. Nothing at all. Exactly. So, you know, there's an interesting premise, but there was absolutely no connection. And I think that was the first time that it was really highlighted for me that storytelling is a skill that not everyone has or is even interested in. And so that's kind of like the negative side of it. But on the other side of it, like I love storytelling. If there is the same story that has been adapted over different things, I will consume all of those things just because I want to see how it's changed, how it was adapted. Like, okay, it started as a novel, but then it got a TV show. And then the TV show got a comic book. And then the comic book got turned into a video game, but the video game looks nothing like the original story anymore. Absolutely. I love it when I find something, you know, in that way, a story that I just really latch on to and it's in you know there's a movie and there's all these different versions of it I love to see them all you know I think that um every one of those things is like just a slightly different experience you know you're 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 getting the same story but the experience is different because it's coming from this different medium so yeah definitely I guess another question is is what can we learn from all of these different mediums like you who have who has been a playwright and is a novelist what are some tips or techniques that you have taken from writing plays and then have you been able to apply those to your novel writing or is that such a different medium that it's kind of like apples and pumpkins like (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know yeah so they're different for sure and I would say that at the time that I was writing plays I was I was performing a lot of plays we were doing a lot of Shakespeare in the Park and I they foolishly had let me direct a few even so (laughs) That was exciting. So, you know, I kind of knew how it worked on the implementation side. And so creating a script to tell a story in that way was not so difficult to to get into because I knew how I wanted this to translate to a stage. And so that was just it was just outlining the ideas, putting the dialogue down um, for the actors and that sort of thing. And then it, it developed a lot in that movement. Moving from writing plays to writing a novel was a much more steep learning curve. Um yeah, there's just a lot of different techniques. There's a lot of things that you that you don't have. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to set this on a stage. You're not going to have that live interaction with an audience necessarily. And so, um, and so, you have to use different techniques to connect with people. You're not going to be able to, to do this live. So you're trying to reach someone through 
the paper, through the ink, you know? And so I think that that takes a lot more forethought. I think that there are a lot of things that are just, you know, very technical little minutia kinds of things that I just had to bury myself in to, to really understand, you know, dialogue tags and how often to use them and because you couldn't yeah. just say character name yeah. and then the line. Exactly, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, I have to do this all the time. I have to tell them who's talking all the time because I don't <laughs> have an actor there who's just going to say it. And so learning, you know, creative ways to do that in a way that doesn't sound, that doesn't get monotonous. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I remember that was one of the first things that I just thought, like, I hate this. I hate the sight of it. I don't want to <laughs> have to do this. I just want to put their name and just. And keep going. And then there they go, you know. Um that was a lot of fun. But I think that the most I think that the big difference, what what was really so different from one media to the next is that thing that I was saying before is, is it's just a different experience. You know, mm -hmm. I think that when you go to experience a novel, it's very different from going to experience a play, going to hear a live storyteller, you know, listening to a piece of music or something like that. You know, you the the recipient is receiving a different experience. Um, I think that theater is so much more auditory mm. um, and it's it's it takes place over a brief period of time you go you know when the show starts you know when the show ends you know a novel I think and people always say the, the book is better and usually it is you know and I think that that one of the advantages that a book has over something like a play or a movie you have time to get intimate with it you can carry it with you you can read it in the in-between moments um, of your day, you know, you can spend some time with it and really get involved with the characters and you can flip back and forth and, mm. you know, relive some of those sequences that you, um, you know, that you, you really enjoyed. You can go read them over again, you know, or check back with things, you know, just, um, reference little things as you've, you know, want to formulate your theories of how it's going to end or something, or yeah. I don't know. I do a lot of flipping back and forth that I'm reading because no, I just like that. That's no, that's totally valid, <laughs> especially if like, you know, it's building up to something like you don't want to miss the pieces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I always have to do that because I read like too fast in mm. a way and like my and then I'll be like, wait a second. I think I missed something and then I have to go back. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. I will. I do find that I will just start reading the dialogue depending on how long the conversation <laughs> is and mm. I will miss all the in between. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, when when did we move cities? <laughs> <laughs> I missed the car. Where? How did we get here? And then I'll have to go back. Well, I was going to say I wanted to take a little bit of a minute because I've been thinking about this metaphor for storytelling in different media. Um, I've been thinking about music. And uh, for some reason the other day I was remembering when I was in my high school music theory class, I wrote, I was like, my best friend from elementary school played the harp. I'm going to write a piece for the harp. And uh, then just a couple months ago in my choir concert, we had a harpist playing accompaniment for us and listening to that and realizing like there's so much about the harp that I don't know. I am 100 percent certain that that harp piece I wrote is probably unplayable by an actual harpist <laughs> because I just don't know how the harp instrument works. To continue the music metaphor, this is something I realized as I have played piano for 20 years or something. And then over the last five or 10 years, I had to start playing the organ at church and playing the same music on the piano versus an organ. And I realized, oh, these pieces were all arranged for the organ. They're easier to play on the organ than they are in the piano. And it had never even crossed my mind that the way it was written was was keyed to a specific instrument. And so I kind of think that's we can look at that with storytelling is we got to pay attention to the medium that we're in. We got to be versed in it if we're going to tell the story well so that we know what things we can do that we can't do in the other media. 
Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. I have totally watched a movie and finished it and gone, I'll bet that was a book. Like I've never I've never heard of it, I've never read it, but I will bet you this started life as a book because that did not feel 100% like correct. Maybe not yeah. correct. It felt off and it just, I knew, I knew that it did. And I looked it up and it had. Yeah, like you, you just kind of get that sense from them sometimes. They just sort of have that, that vibe. Yeah. Um, that unintelligible kind of quality that you just know. So. Yeah. I will soon be able to watch the stage production of Anastasia. And I'm really looking forward to it having grown up with the Disney movie. Well, now Disney movie was not originally. But yeah, I'm I'm eager to see how that changes. Well, you know, and if you think about um, just the difference between like a live staged production of anything versus a movie, you know, especially I think of comedies. Mm -hmm. Um, Very rarely have I been to a movie that was a comedy and people in the audience were laughing loudly and kind of all together, you know, Um, sort of that unified experience of like, we're all laughing because it's so funny. You know, I feel like most times people will go to a movie, even if it's one that they find very funny, Uh um, but they're just experiencing it kind of quietly to themselves or they might chuckle a little bit. But it's not. Just loud enough for close friends who they're here with. You know, but you go to a live stage production of, you know, a similar show and, you know, the the audience is roaring with laughter. And I think that it's just that live component. There's just a there's a dynamic. There's the feedback. The actors are there and they can hear you laughing and I think subconsciously, you know that. And so yeah, that is fascinating. I never noticed that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, that is a really great point. And so does that same kind of interaction translate to the story tradition you were talking about earlier, the the like live storytelling yeah. sessions and stuff. How how does that differ from stage productions? And then how does the live storytelling translate into writing as well? So live storytelling is a wonderful thing. And I think that it's it's a thing that if you ever get a chance to see, you know, some of these um, very gifted or professional even storytellers, um, please take that opportunity because, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you hear storytelling um, and you think, oh, I know what that is, you know, mm. um, but that, you know, and you probably do in a, in a denotative definition kind of way. You had someone up there who's who's telling you a story, but the experience of it is just so much greater than that. And I would say even more than that live theater kind of situation, you have one person who's here giving you a story and every performance of that story will be different. You know, it'll be the same story, the same narrative arc, basically. But that's the most dynamic form of story uh, exchange that I have ever seen is because they're they're feeding directly off of the audience. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, the audience is not in some darkness in the depths of an auditorium. They're right there. And so a professional storyteller, you know, will really connect with people and and kind of adjust the details or the nuances of the story as they go on. And so you can see the same story you know, by the same teller in different settings, and it's just a different experience. So it's really exciting. I will say that that being my first love of a story, one mm-hmm. of the things that I use for an editing technique in my own writing is that I always read it aloud to myself because I know how it's supposed to sound. And I think for me, um, I don't know if that's universal among novelists. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I feel like for me, it's still a very auditory kind of a story is just uh, an auditory medium. And so I have a hard time sometimes knowing if 
what I've written on a page is, is good or is what I want until I can hear it. And so I always have to edit aloud, you know, which makes my wife concerned for me, but <laughs> for my mental health. But, um, but it's okay. I'm just writing. That's all that's happening. I promise. Um, it's okay. Yes. <laughs> but I also feel like, um, you know, I've had opportunities to read some of my written work to live audiences. And that is also really exciting. I feel like that I'm able to read it in the way that I feel that it actually needs to, to go. You know, you can, you don't control the tone that people read things in, you know, you, you've got some techniques that you can put out there and you can kind of try to guide them to the emotional experience that you're trying to construct for them. Um, but I, I really love the opportunities to read aloud mm. short stories or just chapters from a book that I've written um, because I feel like, and here's how it's really supposed to be. You know, <laughs> this is what I really intended for this to be when I wrote it. So what I wrote by me. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as sarcastic as you're thinking, but it is wry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Charles Dickens did a lot of that. Like back mm. in the, he was known for reading reading a Christmas Carol and various things. And I can't imagine reading like David Copperfield or something, but I guess that was a thing they did back then. So <laughs> we didn't have TV back then. So that maybe or, that was their version of binge watching. Or podcasts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. That's really awesome. Well, because we frequently hear that advice, right? Hey, you know, as a round of editing, read your work aloud. But I feel like a lot of people use it to purely catch mistakes and less for the actual storytelling aspect of it, which I think might help a lot more people be more willing to do that. They talk about telling the story to yourself, but no, you're like actually telling the story to yourself and not just like, oh, no, I repeated that word twice. Okay. Like that is important and definitely catch those, but yeah, tone. Absolutely. And I say just go whole hog, like with all the inflection and all the voices, like let people think you're completely insane in this room by yourself. <laughs> you know, you can soundproof it if you're boring, but uh I I prefer to you know just have like a whole theatrical experience happening in the in the writing room. So <laughs> you're reminding me of the man who invented Christmas. I hope you've seen that movie. If not, you should see it because it's about Charles TV. Dickens and he yeah. does a lot of that like talking like his characters. He also hallucinates them because it's historical fiction. But I will. I have not seen that movie, and I will have to look it up. I recommend it's, it. It's 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 pretty fun. So it. Like watching him discover Scrooge's name, I think was one of my favorite parts. Because yeah, he, he, I look forward to it. He really gets into it. And he's just like, no, this is wrong. That is wrong. It's Scrooge. And that's not a spoiler because there's no way I could do it as good <laughs> as he did. <laughs> I thought you were saying because it's not really a spoiler that Scrooge's name is Scrooge, but. Well, that's not a spoiler either, but but there's no way I could perform like that actor did, and it is just yeah. like very dynamic and very fun. So, is there a novel adaptation? Because that would bring everything <laughs> full circle. I could watch it, I could read it, I could see the difference in the different styles. Oh man! Did we want to talk about theater at all? Like, what can writers learn from a theatrical experience? I think that with theater, um, you know, obviously you've got a lot of dialogue. In fact, I had written in my notes here just because I, I knew historically when people would go to see plays, um, they wouldn't go to see a play. The phrase was, let's go hear a play. Huh. And it's an auditorium. So 
Um, so the idea was that it was this, you know, that there was this auditory experience. And I think that that still remains true. Um, I think that they use dialogue to move things along quite a bit. So I think that um, I've seen a lot of writerly advice saying maybe don't lean into dialogue. Find ways to not make everything dialogue. But I think mastering dialogue um, and, and knowing how to drive a plot forward with what is being said is is definitely a great skill to hone mm. um, because dialogue can do a lot, a lot for you. I have often felt like... Um, it's hard to describe a car chase in a book, you know? Yeah. You don't really have you don't really have what you need to make that exciting. I really love The Princess Bride. It's one of my favorite books just from childhood and, and on through my life. But I always felt like uh, what I really loved that William Goldman did is that he'd create these kind of action sequences, and they're just filled with all of this dialogue and it's so <laughs> dynamic you know but you've got these guys who are fencing and they're just chatting to each other as they're going on or the battle of wits at the the picnic there you know conceivable yes don't think that word means what you think <laughs> <laughs> i went to a wonderful um it was a quote along theatrical version of the princess bride oh, movie man. and you had a uh, actions that everybody would do they told us ahead of time you got inflatable swords so anytime there was fencing you'd fight with your neighbor with your little balloon sword and that sounds fantastic anytime that anybody said inconceivable everybody was supposed to slap their forehead in unison so um, <laughs> one of the most fun theater experiences i've ever had no that sounds awesome it was it was just so fun i feel like one of the difficult things for moving from a playwriting to novelization also was, you know, having to describe the scene, you know, I dialogue just drove everything with a play, you know, you could do everything. You didn't worry about so much the setting, you'd probably put a brief description, or at least I would, you know, of kind of what I pictured, but then all the setting was going to depend on whatever I was able to scrounge up and put together anyway. So yeah, that's the stage um, manager's job. <laughs> yeah, that's their deal. They can build the dream. You know, I was, I was producing on a budget here. So <laughs> So, um, you know, a lot of that stuff was like I'd have a vague structure of what I wanted, you know, the peripheral actions, the blocking, you know, is going to happen when um, when the director gets involved is like, OK, walk here. But now you see the, what the stage looks like. So you're like, ah, oh, that doesn't work. Let's do this instead. Um, but the dialogue is what you have control over. So it just does everything. With experience with the blocking, did that help you block out certain scenes and stuff like that? Because I know occasionally if I'm struggling with a scene, I will actually have to like sit there and then walk through my room. No, no. So-and-so sitting here and so-and-so sitting there and then we're over there. Yes, we put the cup back down after we picked it up. We're not walking out with the water cup and stuff like that. So did, did you find that that helped or is it something that you yeah, don't even have to sure. think about? Yeah, for sure. But I, th I think that a lot of the help with the blocking was not so much in the process of the writing of a play as much as like the putting it on, you know, mm -hmm. directing and trying to get the scene to visualize the way that you want it to. So working with the actors when you're when you're actually there on the stage, trying to set up the scene, make it look the way that you want to. Um, so I, I think that the real benefit for for envisioning a scene and where is everybody sitting, where is everybody standing, and how are they moving around this setting that I've got them in, um, I think a lot of the the benefit came from from just that actual having people move around. So uh, you know what you're describing, I think is probably the best case scenario. <laughs> you know, just just block it out in your mind. You know, get in an actual physical space and see what it looks like. You know, and 
And something like that is pretty key for consistency too. Like you said, do you pick the cup up? Are you still holding the cup? Did you already stand up? I edited something yesterday where I was like, the character stood up and said a lot of dialogue and then they stood up and I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> on what? Yes. The table? <laughs> it, you know, it can be frustrating though with the novel because there are some things that are like, uh, you know, a person turns to face the person that they're talking to, but maybe they were talking to somebody else. And then you just jump right into the dialogue. And in my brain, I feel like I can assume that you faced the person that you're talking to now, that you've moved. But, you know, in a novel setting, that can kind of break things because you didn't say that they turned. So as far as the reader is concerned, they may still be facing this person, person A, and then talking to person C way over here mm -hmm. who's barely in the room. So um, I sometimes I feel like that... Um, Physical visualization is one of the trickier, just logistical components to writing out. Yeah, and one of the trickier scene. components to balance too. Yeah, because because we were we were talking in a previous episode about trusting your reader and relying on your reader to like draw some conclusions for themselves, and so then which conclusions do you allow them to? draw for themselves is it okay that you know we were upstairs in the study of a third story building and now we're walking out the front door towards the carriage or do we need to talk about the journey through the house some people would say yes some people would say no some people would say it depends and so yeah i feel like that's that's definitely a hard one to nail down oh for sure efficient transitions <laughs> yeah and five minutes later they were at the store yes Anyway, I think we're out of time. I think we are, unfortunately. This has been really fun. This has been fun. Yeah. I, I gotta I have to I could have gone a whole so hour things. more yeah. just chatting with stuff. Yeah, storytelling. Ch is chatting with people about stuff. stuff. About <laughs> wait yes. a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strike that. That came out very Reverse wrong. <laughs> but so maybe a question to leave our listeners with and you can chat with us on our socials is what are some unique storytelling media that you've experienced and and how how does it affect your writing and after this are you going to go see if you can participate in an in-person storytelling event because i know oh, i yes. definitely want to do that now thank you david for coming on the show we had a lot of fun talking to you <laughs> thank you so much this was a great this was a great time i'm so glad that you invited me stay sharp my friends we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Writing Forge, a Writing Heights podcast brought to you by Nagano Press. To learn more about The Writing Forge, check out our social links in the episode description. Subscribe to The Writing Forge wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. For more informational writing content, be sure to become a Writing Heights member.